and welcome to our podcast, The Ups and Downs of a Small Business Owner, where we hope to show you exactly what it's like to grow a business. So hello and welcome. Today I'm here with Brad Burton, Ford Networking founder, author, and the UK's number one motivational business speaker. David. Is that everything? I think so, mate. I think so. But it depends on which version of me you want. But listen, that's a good intro. Thank you so much. So I first heard of you at ZeroCon, and I was with one of my friends, Dan Cockerton. He said, essentially, it was he needed to speak to you at that point. Amazing. And that's what motivated him to start his business and to push forward there. Wild. Equally, I went on and, and lit a few Yankee candles. Did you really? Was you there in 2019, yeah? Yes, yeah. You know what's crazy about that, David, is that was months before the pandemic. And you think about how profound what I said, which is, you know, say, yes, but the holiday, yes, light the candle, yes, pad alert, life too short for cheap home brand spreads. None of us know the day. None of us know what's going to be around the next corner. And I think that was quite prophetic. Prophetic? prophetic. Yeah, yeah, profound and prophetic. Prophetic, yeah. That whole presentation. And it was a... For me, that was a one of those step ups in life. It really was. It was validation. And if anyone's ever seen that presentation or they've seen the last thirty six seconds of it, when you see me, you know, getting a round of applause on the biggest stage in the UK, that was validation that the journey that I'd been on, because it's been a tough journey. I'm sure we get to, was kind of you've done it. You've kind of completed the game. <laughs> so is that one of the biggest stages that you you talked on? Yeah, I mean, I've I've, I've spoke internationally. But anyone that's ever looked at the Excel, you know, that isn't a 100-foot ceiling. That's a 400-foot ceiling or whatever it is. That's a big old place. That's an arena. That's a Beyonce stage. So, yes, no question about that. And what was interesting about that, and most people won't know this, but I was angling to get on that zero-con stage probably the three years prior to that. And I'm glad I didn't because, you know, this is what happens in life and in business. We want to get to the next stage. We want to get to the next step. And actually, you know, you should never be in a hurry to lose because if I would have died on that zero stage, died, died, that would have been the end of my career, I think. Well, that also brings me on to one of the questions, actually. So, I, I've watched a video, I think you put it on LinkedIn recently, of yeah. when you were first starting out. <laughs> yeah. And, and compared to what you were at ZeroCon, like sure. full of energy, full mm. of uh, confidence, I guess. Of course. How... How do you get from that first one to that last one? That's a great question. So, if you're a boxer, the way you learn how not to get punched in the face is by getting punched in the face. And the way you learn how not to die on stage is by dying on stage. And I must have died on stage 100 times. Now, here's where we're going wrong as a country. I'm getting into the politics now. But what ends up happening is if a leader or a politician makes a mistake, the newspapers and the news hound them, get them out! They're a disgrace, get them out! And actually, they never get to learn. They never let get to be better. And actually, when you know, if you imagine if you ever spoke on stage and you die on stage, most people say, I'm never doing that again. What did I say? Is when I do it again, how to do it better? What did I learn? And that is how I did it. So, you know, I've spoke over two and a half thousand times in public. Now, due to the nature of what you mentioned before, for networking, my business networking organization, you know, from 2006 all the way through to a year or so ago, I was speaking at the Brewers' Fairs up and down the land. 
And that's a great way to learn how to speak. When you're speaking in a brewer's fair with 20 networkers and people walking past with their luggage and the barista machines going off and people saying, are these your sausages? So it's a really good training ground. And I think that's how I've become so proficient at being able to be confident on stage is by doing it 2,000 times. Nobody's born an expert. No one's born an expert. And I guess that comes back to business and business owners. You you make so many mistakes continuously and eventually you, you get to where you want to be. Well, you know, I one of my bradisms, which is what I call them, is that experience is what you win when you lose. Think about that. Experience is what you win when you lose. Every single expert that you look up to was at one point a beginner, right? And everyone's blagging it. Everyone's blagging it. So I know world-class boxers, blagging it. Pop stars, blagging it. Dragons Den, dragons, blagging it. Brad Burton, blagging it. David, blagging it. Everyone's fucking blagging it. You can beat that. Everyone's blagging it. And once you realise that everyone's blagging it, it becomes a whole lot easier. Because the reality is, go back to what I said, no one's born an expert. And actually, the, the only way that you're going to become an expert is by making mistakes. Most people don't want to make mistakes. But that's what an expert is. An expert is someone that's made all the mistakes in a particular niche field. So in order for you to be an expert in whatever you do, you've got to make mistakes. And so many people don't want to do it. Me, I embrace them. So, so why are people scared to make mistakes? Oh, well, let me tell you something. When you make a decision, you don't know, whenever you make a decision, whether it's the right or wrong one. Would you agree? So yeah. you don't know. The only time you know whether it's the right or wrong one is after the event. Now, there's no correlation between time spent on a decision and it being the correct one. There's, that's proven. So I will make a decision in 24 seconds. If I can't make a decision in 24 seconds, I'll revisit in 24 hours. If I can't revisit in, sorry, 24 minutes. If I can't revisit in 24 minutes, I can't make a decision, 24 hours. If after 24 hours I can't make a decision, I just made a decision, it's not important, next. So on that basis, if you make a decision and it's the wrong one, it moves you one step towards being an expert. If you make the right one, it moves you one step towards success. I believe that people are scared of making decisions because it looks stupid. But once again, you need to make decisions, you need to make mistakes in order to get to where you need to be. Fact. Great. If we go back to your beginning then, mm -hmm. where do we start? It depends. I think my, my dad left when I was six months old. Well, my mum left him actually, and quite rightly, the right thing to do. And she saved up a pound every single week until she had enough money after six months to leave my dad. And, uh, you know, we lived in refuges, this, that, and the other. And people would, would people tried to paint a picture that my life wasn't great as a child. It was, it was great. My mum was an amazing lady. She still is around now, but amazing lady. She brought me up beautifully, gave me sorts of in values and so forth. But when I was seven, and these are kind of, I call these IC, and you go, what do you know about IC? Insignificant or in, seemingly insignificant emotional events, events that shape you. So I had a fight when I was seven years old, got on top of a guy called Simon Wilkinson, and I beat him up. And I went back to my stepdad, and I said, I've just had a fight to my stepdad. And my stepdad looked at me sternly and said, why, why, why is that a good thing? If I'd have gone back to my real dad, my dad would have said, well done, son. Did you hit him and give him... Right, so fundamentally, these things shape who you are. I would have been a completely different person if I would have gone back to my dad as opposed to my stepfather. So I look at my whole life and I was, you know, a motivational speaker now and, and, and whatever, a business owner. But I was kind of being groomed, I would say, early doors to be a bank robber. She's like, you think to yourself, you think that's crazy. You go, ha ha, I'm telling you, that's what, what I was being groomed for. 
throughout my not, throughout my family, but the people that I associate with. And I look at it and I think, wow, how many people out there could be better versions of themselves? And that wasn't a road that I ever went down, but it's a road that I could have gone down. So when we look at my life and we look at where we start, I think everyone starts somewhere. And also, if I go back far enough in everyone's life, I'll find something questionable. The difference is I'm stupid enough to share it. Okay. <laughs> Mo- moving on then from there, you... You moved down to Somerset? Yeah, that was when I was 22, but prior to that point, <clears throat> I got myself a job on the YTS as a shop boy, and then ended up going from shop boy to working in Butlins in Minehead on the cleaning team, uh, following my girlfriend down at the time. And then I managed to, uh, these guys, when I was in the shop, when I was 16 years old, I met some guys, they came in and they kind of become friends. They were the editors of magazines, computer games magazines. So we remained friends and then they said, hey, how do you fancy getting a job as a staff writer on the magazines? And this was when I was 18. So I said, yeah, I'll do that. Came back from Somerset, from, from Minehead. Worked as a staff writer for magazines for two years. And if you go and Google Brad Burton Games Master, you'll see me on Games Master with PJ and Duncan. So, you know, I've had a really strange career and somehow I've always managed to get myself into some great places and to some great stages. So why you? That's a good question. Whoa, that's a beautiful one. Why, why, why did I manage to get myself on stages? That's a good question. That is arguably one of the greatest questions that I've ever had in my life, and I mean that. Uh, wow. So when I was a kid, I was always good at like, 19 and 20. I was always good at getting in nightclubs for free. I would just go up there, bottle bomb, bomb, bomb up there with confidence. I've always had this kind of veneer of confidence when I was a young man, chatting up girls, whatever it was. I always had the veneer of confidence. Um, and I never applied it. I never applied it until the last 10 or 15 years, I suppose, because if you think about, as a motivational speaker, it's a strange profession where you've got to walk into a room full of strangers and win them over. I mean, that's almost borderline mental illness. So going back to, to, to why me, I think, imagine that you and I are in a, in a nightclub and on the floor there's a 20 pound note. And I say to you, Dave, go and pick that up. No, you're near a bad, you pick it up. Dave, you pick it up, mate. And whilst we're talking about picking it up, somebody comes along and picks up the 20 pound note. And now all of a sudden you and I are recriminating as to, well, you should have picked up, you was nearer. Let me tell you, why me? Remember before I talked about insignificant, seemingly insignificant emotional events. And I talked about that fight and how I'd have been a different guy. When I was four, and the reason I remember I was four, it was 1977, three or four. And the reason I know it was 1977 is because the first time ever, this four-year-old little kid from Salford saw bunting. It was 1977, it was a Queen's Jubilee. It was the first time ever I had a cupcake with a blackberry on it. I remember it now. And there were street parties and there was a jumble sale. And in this jumble sale, there was like, you know, t- pasting tables and there was a fuzzy felt farm set. And it had two pence on it. I had all the fuzzy felt farm set as a four-year-old. Two pence in my hand and I waited to be served. Whilst I'm waiting to be served, an old lady came up with her neck's headscarf on. She grabbed the fuzzy felt paid the woman two pence and pissed off. And I think that shaped me as an individual, as an individual to go, you know what, move fast. I'm gonna tell you about another thing that I I learned about myself, because I've done a lot of internal work to work out who and what I am. When I was nine years old, back in the good old days, when you, as a nine year old, you'd get on the bus on your own, travel for four miles, no mobile phones. Welcome to 1981, 82. And I went to the fair, the traveling fair with my friend, Jimmy Green. And we're on the travelling fair, we've been on the horses and this, that and the other. For me to get home, it's our four pence, right? The good old days. Four pence on the bus. 
So I've got four pence remaining, but I want to go on the waltzers again and I want to have a hot dog. So I'm now eight-year-old, nine-year-old logic thinking, what can I do? How can I do this? I know. I'll go on the fruit machine. So I put two pence in the fruit machine. Boom, 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 nothing. My final two pence puts it in. Seven, seven, seven. 20 pence jackpot. Goes on the waltzers, buys a hot dog, has a kind of Coke, gets a bus home. I think intrinsically what that's done it's painted, it's shaped me as an individual to think, move fast, you're lucky. So all these things, and this is what I, innocuous connections, I, I track these when I work with people. This is what I do. I track how and what they've become and why they've become the person they are. And these seemingly innocuous events shape who we are. So if I would have gone back to my dad, I might become violent. That's the reality of it. If I would have bought the fuzzy felt, I might have not moved fast. If I'd lost that final two pence, I might deem myself unlucky. So therefore, I wouldn't have made the decisions. So this stuff shapes you and where we end up in our life is a direct result of our decisions. It would be lovely to be, you know, blaming being locked in the coal shed by my dad when I was seven as to the reason why I'm a fuck up. It's nothing to do with that, it's down to your decisions. And this is what people need to understand. And anyone listening to this right now needs to understand, stop blaming other people for where you are in your life. And ask yourself this question, do you understand how you got to where you are? Because right now we're sitting in the most amazing, I mean, anyone who's ever been here is the most amazing utopia of it. Like genuinely, it's beautiful. The decisions that you made have brought you here today. Because you'd have had people when you started out on this journey, that people said, oh, you don't want to do that. Oh, go and get a proper job, at least you know where you stand. Yeah, the economic climate right now, you don't know what's around the corner. There'd been people talking you out of it, but what you've got to do, you've got to turn down the volume on those individuals, and you've got to turn up the volume on your self-belief. When I started my business off, all I ever had was misguided self-belief. Misguided, no qualifications, 25 grand in debt, been addicted to drugs twice, I got shot up when I was 21, done four years on benefits, delivered pizza at 31, and yet somewhere along the way, I started a business off with a wife that was crying telling me not to. So sometimes, sometimes you've got to turn down the volume on people. You've got to turn up the volume. And those people that say, if it was me, it's not you, it's me. And those that say, if it was me, are still where they, the way they were originally. Yeah, well, I go back down to it. My friends from Salford right now, you know, oh, what are you doing starting that business off, Brad? And actually, they're still exactly where, where I left them. You know, I didn't leave them there. They left themselves there. Was that the dream, to start a business? The dreams have always changed. You know, my, when I was a kid, what I wanted to be is I wanted to be a car salesman. And you go, well, where did that dream come from? I'll tell you where it came from. 1980, seven years old, me and Jimmy Green again. There was an advert, advertising campaign on television that said, come into a Ford dealership and get the old brochure for this, the new Ford Sierra. And me and Jimmy Green went down to the, the, the dealer, Ford dealership and put our best pos- poshest voices to the, to the dealership. Hello, my good man. Could we have one of these brochures, please? And they give us a brochure. I remember seeing the salesman there with the suits on and the flashy cars all polished. And that was like, whoa. And that was my aspirations and dreams. And dreams and aspirations change. You know, I started my business off to change when I was delivering pizzas. I, I promised my boy, baby Ben, who was probably three or four then, uh, sorry, three or four months old then, that I would take him to Disney. Disney. I'm on £5.80 cash in hand. Sorry, all taxes were paid. I was, I was delivering pizzas, <laughs> delivering pizzas at 31 year old. And you know, I said to him, baby Ben, I'm gonna take him shop at, to, to Disney World. And people like, 
Yeah, you're never going to do that. And I did it. I've done it 13 times. I took him to a once-in-a-lifetime holiday. 13 times. And that was because for the first time ever, it wasn't about me. If it was about me, it would be me smoking bongs all weekend. But it was about them. And for the first time ever in my life, it wasn't about me. My kid came along and it changed everything. So, you know, my dream was to create a life for them. And I did that. And then I got to a point where, you know, at my height, year five, I think, of my network, four networking. I started four networking off back in 2006. Nobody gave me a chance. That was a close shop. You've got BNI, you've got the Chamber, you've got FSB and all that. If I'd have listened to those people, they'd have been right, but I didn't. Because I could see an opportunity. I could see a gap that nobody else had saw. And I couldn't believe that nobody else could see this. And when I get tuned into a business, I almost go feral. It's probably the best way to describe it. Like a werewolf. I am unmoving. Nobody can take me off my dream and my vision. Nobody can move me off it. I'm locked in. And that's what happened with Four Network. And I looked at a logo and I remember my hopes, aspirations and dreams being loaded into this logo. <clears throat> and if it had failed, you think, oh yeah, all right, not bad. But I didn't, I succeeded. And I grew 12 groups first year, sorry, 11 groups first year, 24 second year, 56, 120, 200, 320 groups across the UK. They only joined up network in the UK. Now, I'm not involved in Four Networking. The pandemic came along and you know, I can't remember the specific figure, but 1.6 or 1.8, I can't even remember, 1.8 million, whatever. You know, Boris Johnson, March the 20th, please stay at home, guess what, boom, gone. So my entire business collapsed overnight. When you're running networking groups, 500 every single month, up and down the brewer's fairs of the land, and brewer's fairs are short, and your members, it's a bit like running, a, running an ice cream factory, and all of a sudden somebody switches your fridges off and now after two days of that or five days now you what you're doing you're now in the business not of of selling ice cream you're now in the business of buying mops that you don't want and having to mop up friggin ice cream on rent that you don't want to pay for it yeah so it was a mess <clears throat> but what's interesting about that is that i've come out the other end of it and i always ask this question if i think about the worst day of my life january the 2nd 1995 two bullets went through my window bam bang caused me to move away from salford my home 21 years <clears throat> to somerset and I moved to Somerset by grabbing a pin on a map, closing my eyes, dink. That's mad. That is absolutely crazy. A half a centimetre one way would have been a completely different place. So you look at this, I'm sat here now with you, 18 years on, however it is, 18 to 28 years on, 28 years on, is that right? 95, five, doing math, 28 years, oh Christ. Based on a pin, my entire life, and that just shows you the innocuousness of these things. But here's the thing, I look at my business and, you know, let's say it's 1.8 mil or whatever it was, it's gone. And this is what kind of woke me up about life and woke me up about business. Because if my business would have been a 10 million pound business or a 100 million pound business, it would have still gone. It would have still gone. That shows that, you know, yeah, but what you need to do, you need to do vertical markets and this, that and the other. It's all bollocks. You know, I'm a council estate kid who lived above a chippy and a masonette. You know, I've, 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 I had a BMW i8. I've traveled the world. I've got a speaking career at the highest level. I've done okay. And if all I ever achieved was this, I'm good with that. I had some fucking idiot on, on social media say I've got self-limiting beliefs. I've written four books. I've got no qualifications. I run a team of 800. I speak at the highest level. And that's not enough. And that's the problem that people have got right now in this world is that enough's never enough. 
It's always, you get a 40 inch television and now you want 60, then you get an 80, then you want 100, now you want a 100 inch curve, then now that's not enough, now you've got to have a home cinema, and then what you've got to do, you've got to have speakers, and stop. We're addicted to comfort. We're addicted to comfort, and the problem is, is that you can't always have comfort. You've got to have discomfort, and people aren't geared up for discomfort. My, my biggest point is I like to make myself comfortably uncomfortable. Beautiful. That, that's what I go for. So when I, when I get comfortable, I get bored. I can't, I can't focus, I can't work. I, I'm probably a pain here mm-hmm. because I'm not focused. There's, there's nothing there. There's yep. no excitement. I get it. So I have to then push myself out of my comfort what zone. What I would say is I was the same, but I was addicted to the fight. I used to love rescuing cats up trees. I used to love, metaphorically speaking, I used to love having a fight. Somebody wants to come at me, boom, let's do this. It, it, it was thrilling, it was exciting. <clears throat> Until, of course, you've got a pandemic and now you've got thrilling and exciting times 100 and now it's not fun. So when you're addicted to that, the, the, the drama or the excitement of, 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 of difficulty or uncomfortableness, which I was, I loved it. And then actually, maybe as I'm getting older, I'm 50 year old now, and all the younger, but 50 year old, and actually, you know what I'm addicted to? Contentment, contentment. So that fight, I can, I'm a bruiser, that's what I'm, I'm known as, nobody fucks with me, right? But I don't wanna be that guy anymore. What I wanna be is I wanna be the guy who's nice and content and chilled and relaxed. So would you say you've completed what you wanted to complete? Yeah. And you've achieved what you wanted to achieve? More than ever could I even dream of. So have you got any, where, where, where do you see yourself going then? Yeah. So, you know, this is the thing, just doing what I'm doing. And this is this counterintuitive. Surely you're supposed to be taking massive action. And surely, Mr. Burton, what you've got to do is go for bigger goals and you've got to have goals that scare you. I have done it. It's like, I'm a gamer, you're a gamer. Right, so I'll do it a little secret, right? Once you've completed the game, you can go and get the DLC, the download content, but you've completed the game. It's now time to play a different game. And my different game right now, sorry to break it to you people, is a bonsai tree in Lego. Right, and not very gangster for someone from Salford, Manchester, is it? You know, but that's what I'm saying. But what we need to do in our lives is allow ourselves to have our lives and do what you want to do for your life, not what the smart guy in the shiny suit tells you, or what the guy who says, you know, gets out with a, with a cap backwards out of a Lamborghini and tells you the secrets so you learn ten thousand dropshipping. It's all bullshit. This is what I'm trying to say. People all want the quick fix. People all want the the the, the, the shortcuts. And there's no shortcut, so I'm going to go and break it to you right now, David. It's going to be hard. And actually, if you're not prepared for that, and I'll give you an example of this, I'll put it in perspective. Money's not a big enough motivator, and people go, yes, it is. No, it's not, and I'll tell you the reason why. So, do you have any children? Yeah. Wonderful. Right. So, here's the thing. I'm going to give you a £1,000 for every punch that I punch you in the face. How many would you want? You've got to pre-book them. I mean, I'd probably take a couple. Yeah, yeah, but you won't go for 10, would you? No. no, right, so I'll give you a thousand quid. So you do it. If I was going to punch your kid in the face or you in the face, how many would you have? None. You'd have them all, wouldn't you? Well, yeah, if, if, it, was, yeah, if it was either you or your kid. Yes, you would take any. Correct. Just think about what you just said. So that says to me that money's not a big enough motivator, but you would do anything for your daughter to avoid her pain. But you would only take two punches in the mouth for two grand before you go hang about enough. So that's what I've done. I've realised, and this is what I'm a motivational speaker, a mindset coach. I, I, I switch everything down to that whole thing, say, hang about, stop doing this for money. Do it for your kids. So when it comes to me, and I've took my kids to Disney World 13 times, best holidays ever, once in a lifetime holiday 13 times. Why? Because my focus wasn't on money. 
my focus was on what I was going to do when I got the money. There's a fundamental change to that. Strong. Yeah, it, it really is. Mm. Something I've said a few times as well is when you find you're enough, you can change everything. Beautiful. When you find you're enough money coming in, you can spend your time. I've heard you say it a few times, time is your biggest asset. Totally. So actually, you don't need to spend more time earning more money to buy the materialistic stuff Mate. to show off to Mate. people. The people you don't really care about. Like, listen, listen, I'll tell you a story. I'm going I'm to admit something that I've never admitted before. So when I got my BMW i8, 109,000 quid or whatever it was, you know, I would park it outside the pub or wherever it is, and then I'd go and, oh, I forgot something in the glove compartment, and go up in the glove compartment to get something that you've not really forgot, to show everyone how clever you are. What a dickhead. And you think to yourself, what is that about? That's just wild. So somewhere along the way, we're all guilty of that. And there's a time when you're 25 years old and that's what you do. But actually, when you're a sad bastard like me at 47 and you're still doing it, things are not good. So I've had to real, real, take a real look at myself. And this is what, I'm, what I do with, 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 with clients. And is I say, look, let's be really honest. Because what ends up happening is people believe that you get money, you get happy. Right? I had money back in 2012, more money than I could sensibly know what to do with. And I was broken. I had what I call success. I was ill. Marriage, terrible. Business, terrible. Personal health, terrible. Three stone heavier. Diabetes, blood pressure, no sleep. Addicted to Red Bull, sleeping tablets, the whole freaking lot. But I had a multi million pound business. And I, it's like, you think to yourself, okay. So I've now got type 2 diabetes as I sit in front of you right now, 10 years on, 11 years on. I've got type 2 diabetes that I've got to take medication for based on what? Based on Jaffa cakes that I ate 12 years ago. But it wasn't just one Jaffa cake, it was lots of Jaffa cakes because you're powering yourself forward, because you've got to keep your business going. And da, 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 da. You know, I'm making more money now, personally, than I ever did at Million Pound Business, which is like, my mind is blown. I don't have an office. Right? I don't have an office, don't have staff, don't have a fleet of vehicles, don't have any of that. I've got the most perfect life and it's counterintuitive. So if somebody wants to say I've got you know, self-limiting beliefs because I'm not on a frigging sky bed on my way to New York at the moment, that's fine, I'm good, I'm comfortable, sat on my ass, playing my PlayStation, sorry Xbox, um, <laughs> but the consoles are available. But, but you know, sat on my ass, playing my Xbox, going to the gym, and, and, and doing my mentoring as and when, and doing the speaking gigs as and when. I've got no... And, and look, this is, you know, when, you, when, you're, when you're a kid, you're a young man, you want to change the world. But I've realised something. How old are you? 30. Right, so I've got 20 years on you. 20 years on you. I didn't start my business until I was 31. Right? So you're like five years way ahead of me. And this is what I'm trying to say. But you seem genuine. I don't know we did podcasts, but you strike me as being right on the money here with what you've got. And actually realising what's important because there comes a point when you've got everything that you sensibly want. I've never seen bigger monitors in my life. Not just one, there's like seven monitors in this place, like they're amazing. But yeah, but uh, you can get twice the size ones. When does it end? And the problem is, is this, this beautiful office of yours, one day isn't gonna be your beautiful office. One day, someone's gonna go and throw that sign of yours in the bin and you're gonna be, and someone else will be moved in there. My man cave that I live in, I've got my arcade machine, that's my pride and joy. When I was eight years old, I said I'm gonna get an arcade machine. I got my business moving and I bought an arcade machine, three or four thousand pounds, like my, my, my Lamborghini effectively. One day, it's going to be up on frigging Marketplace, Facebook for 300 quid on nearest offer. 
when I'm gone, my wife will just want shut of it. You know, a friend of mine, mum, passed away a couple of weeks ago, and they texted me today to say they've got a box of ashes. So somebody's life, somebody who's once like me and you, talking, had in hopes, aspirations and dreams and, and wonderful neon signs and beautiful cars and this, that and the other, is now in a frigging box the size of a sig packet. And this is, I think, where people go wrong, is that you're so focused, you know, we're all going to outlive our peers by 20 years. Yeah, my dad went at 53, I'm 50. And, and we will talk about the end, the end, what, what we're doing, where we're going to, where we're going to achieve. <laughs> I think you've pretty much said it without mm. saying it, it's a journey. Of course it is. Enjoy the journey. Totally. But you know, when, when I started my business off, 25 grand in personal debt, no income, wife crying, you know, no money. I wanted to get through that point. I wanted to get through to the point where, you know, where, where, where I wanted to get beyond this. I look back now, that was the fun bit. People don't realise that. Now, what's fortunate from my perspective with the pandemic, you're fortunate, right? But the pandemic was good for me because it's allowed me a reset because I couldn't get off the hamster wheel of running 500 meetings and everyone's looking towards me and having to solve the problems. I never had any time to think because I was always reactive to it. You imagine 500 networking meetings a month. That's a lot of inbound coming your way. So I never had any chance to think. So what it's done is give me a great reset. It's given me an opportunity to go, did I really want to go and start off get networking again? Or did I want to do what I do at the moment, which is mentor and, and, and speak globally, which is what I do. You, you mentioned your wife there. Uh -huh. When you're at that point, COVID's hit, things have hit rock bottom. What's she doing? What's she saying to you? Oh, she's frantic. Absolutely. My, my wife's a, a perpetual warrior. Right, so she's completely on the opposite squadron of me. She is a, oh, if it was me, I wouldn't do that. My wife didn't want me to start this business off. She's delighted now, I have, because <laughs> it changed. But, so she was frantic. And that's very difficult when you, if you imagine being a sniper and you've got a shot and you've got a clear shot and you're just about to take the shot and then all of a sudden your spotter goes, don't do it, right? And it was that. And it was very difficult along the way because I had my wife, supportive as she is, speech marks, she, she was frantic, she was worried. And actually what I said to her at the time was, tell me, in these 17 years I've been running a business, whatever it was, so tell me one bill that I've not paid. So tell me one bill that I've not paid, I'll wait. And she couldn't, I said, well why am I not gonna pay these bills now? I'll find a way, Kate, this is what I do. But that's, you know, that, it, that those, those words didn't land with her. So, and, and it was really frustrating from my perspective when you're going through that, and actually you're up against it and you've got a team of 800 looking to you for answers. I don't fucking have them. That's a pretender did. You know, I was at sea, almost on a life raft and everywhere I looked, there was no land. And I had to say to my team confidently, guys, relax. I know where we're going. And I did something at a time, which was called We Are The Cavalry. I don't know if you saw it, but it was, I was kind of leveraging people to say, look, we're all waiting for the government to come and save us here. They ain't coming. You're living in cloud cuckoo land. We're wasting time trying to pretend, waiting for somebody to come and fix us, to come and fix and rectify this situation or situation. I said, what we need to do, we as a collective need to band together right now, stop waiting for cavalry and actually we become the cavalry. And I kind of got, you know, messages, I'd say you get two a week roughly, of people saying, oh, you got me through the pandemic. And it's like, well, I didn't even realize that. It's social media, you're just posting. But people said, you know, it's fascinating. That, that's what gets them through. People need I'm, hope. 
People need hope. Because that's the thing that right now, as a, as, a, as a globe, is lacking hope. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I'm, I'm going to come back to your wife again, though. Please. Is, did, you, did you ever speak about where everything, or did you keep things, because I think it's very hard to be completely open, even with somebody as close as that, that's a, that's a man who's talking about his own self there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no point. No point. You know, there's no point in telling her, you know, that you've got a, a shit popping off right now because you can't help. And actually, all you're doing is adding additional worry. And that's quite difficult as a man. You know, I'm going to share something that I've never shared in a podcast before. There was four seconds during the pandemic where I wanted to kill myself. Four seconds. It came up in my brain. Four seconds. Boom go and kill yourself it's the right thing to do and I remember being terrified outside of that four seconds going what the fuck's just gone on there but it was as clean as day oh do you want a cup of tea yeah yeah perfect that and I was like whoa and it was four seconds literally four seconds but I thought to myself you know I'm a smart guy so there's a couple of things going on there to unpack it that if that was a permanent fixture, I could see how people off themselves. Yeah, if that was a permanent fixture, sat there all day long, not four seconds, not four, but 40 days or whatever, I can absolutely understand it. But this is what people don't understand. That pandemic affected us emotionally, financially, physically, spiritually, mentally. It did everyone. I don't care how tough and mentally resilient. I don't care how tough and strong you think you are. It was insidious. And I look at this whole thing here and I think, kind of unpacking it now in real time, is what was going on there is you're trying to find a way through, these impossible way throughs. So you've exhausted everything, what we can do with the network, we can do it online, and we can, you've exhausted everything. And once you can't see a way out, that's seemingly the only way forward. Mm, four seconds. <laughs> First time I've ever mentioned that. So you've never told anyone that? Uh, my wife might know, but no one else. And I'm quite good with sharing it because actually it was one of those things that I think, right, it's, it's now the time I'm quite through that three or four years ago but yeah four seconds four seconds frightening I think that's something a lot of men do I, I'm going to stereotype men as well please because I because we are it's a big <laughs> thing but we don't talk no. as men mm -hmm. and you've never told anyone by no. your wife no correct why why is it that we hide all of this well, I don't necessarily know if it hide, but it's just that four seconds, it's like, okay, look, you know, have you ever been, have you ever seen a UFO or anything, you just, oh, that, or bird, it, four seconds, it's gone, and actually it's not at the forefront of your brain, but I, I do fear for someone who it is, and bear in mind, you know, my livelihood is about mental resilience, and yet somewhere along the way, that as an option came up, in my brain, came up to say, hey, this is a sensible, this is the way forward, so I think that, not everyone's as what's the word as, as got emotional intelligence and what I mean by that is people just exist people just exist oh what we're having for tea tonight what we watch on Netflix what we're doing Friday we're going to a pub and I was that guy as well we don't you know when we run a business it's all external get a new car get the, 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 the. nobody does the internal work and that's where I'm at I've got an old degree in psychology but anyone who's got a degree in psychology has just had it made up by somebody with a degree in psychology you know everyone's just making it up so, you know, I took, call myself the UK's number one motivational business speaker. And, and, and people say, well, how did you become the UK's number one motivational business speaker? I just made a fucking website and said, I'm the UK's number one motivational business speaker. 
you don't need to wait for permission. And this is a thing, waiting for government to give us permission, waiting for you know somebody to give us permission to start a business or somebody can stop. What you need to do is give yourself permission. So going back to the original point you make, like a politician answering that, is that I think that you know it's it is a difficult conversation. Not that it's difficult for me, because you know it's not. But it, there was no. I think when when I'm in the, the 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 cut and thrust of the pandemic, people are looking towards me for leadership. So you know that would be devastating. To people seeing me as a strong guy to then go and say, guess what? How does that help? So actually, you know, I was in a strong position to be able to kind of navigate through that. But yeah, four seconds, four seconds, crackers. Uh, well, I mean, heavy, not it? <laughs> yeah, very heavy. Yeah, because you wouldn't expect that with me. I don't think anyone. I've just wrote it for a second. They're going to write a blog about that. I'm going to go with loud with that tomorrow. Um, but yeah, it's you wouldn't think that, would you? You just wouldn't. And this is what I'm trying to say. You can't run from your head. And this is, you know, there's two versions of me. There's two versions of you. There's a good version and there's a not so good version. And actually what I've kind of tapped into is that better version. There was, back in the day, I reckon I was 51% good, 49% bad. The speech marks bad. And I think over, that my almost personal Brexit. And over the years, I reckon I'm now 5% bad, 95% good. I've trained myself and we can all be a better version of ourselves. And that's what I kind of drive home to people. You know, what does the best version of you look like? And actually, oh yeah, he does this, this, goes to the gym, eats correctly, da, da, da. why are you that person? Ah, well, okay, so you've got all these stresses going on. So how do we get rid of these stresses? Ah, da, da. So by dealing with the stress, then you deal with this. But people don't want to deal with that because it goes back down to comfort. People don't want to go into this area with all the problems and the stresses. And I talk about how I did it at zero, which is, you know, when we moved in that house, five bedroom house, and we wanted a house with a wood burner and a wife, I don't know what a wood burner is, but in each of the corners of the room was a spider. I said, do you want me to get them out? She went, oh, my wife said, I don't mind small spiders. Where do you think the big ones come from, Kerry? So people don't deal with the small spiders in life and those small spiders become big ones. That kind of leads me on to the next one. We're good at this, aren't we? Absolutely. It's almost like you've got the questions in front of you as well. (laughs) I didn't see the questions, I told you that. definitely not. They're kept completely separate. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You've mentioned that you've been depressed a few times. Yeah. How do you how do you come out of that? Huh. So how I come out of it now, compared to how it used to come out of it, the olden days, go and smoke smoke some fucking weed or or take some drugs, you know, and you get this false everything's good for that duration whilst you know you're high or you're whatever. Now, I, 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 the key to to fixing depression is when you realise you're heading towards being depressed. Do something about it, right? It doesn't get any better. So, for instance. I know that if I feel like shit, and I, I, I urge my clients to do this, if they feel like shit, feel like shit. Don't force a fix. Don't force a fix. Yeah, what you need to do, you need to go and do some, some, some pull-ups. No, you don't. You need to go and sit there, eating skips, watching telly, feeling sorry for yourself, but there has to be a line drawn. So by all means, you want to go and have egg fried rice and curry sauce and sit there and get pissed, do it. But tomorrow at 9am, you stop doing it. Or tomorrow at 9pm, you stop doing it. That's what I do. I draw a line for people. I'll say, yeah, you want to go and do all this? Cool. But we're going to draw a line. When's that line drawn? That means that you fill your boots between now and then and you're done. That's how I deal with it. That's, that's how I deal with it. But I don't let myself get to that point anymore. When I know that I'm... I'm not getting with me, but... Uh, I, I kind of got like a, a system that I use. I'll show you beyond this. I call it Life Check Sheet. 
that actually allows me to break down <clears throat> like a computer game. You play a computer game, you play the game, you're lucky of energy, I've got 15% health, you need to go and get a health pack. Yeah, but my main quest is over here. Yeah, no, I'll get that. But right now, you ain't gonna do your main quest until we get some energy. So how do we get your energy back as a human being? So you and I, we have a fight, play Street Fighter, I'm Ken, you're Ryu, in fact, I'm Ryu, you're Ken, right? <laughs> Sorry, yeah. right? I'm Ryu, you're Ken, you're 100% uh, energy, I'm 100% energy, we both come out there, and we've got supreme confidence. You give me a couple of whacks, a hurricane kick, I'm now down to 30% energy. Am I gonna play, fight, with the same confidence as I did with 100% energy down to 30? Of course not. So what does that say? It says that energy has a massive impact on how you operate in your days. So where people are getting it all wrong, oh, we need to get the gross profit up, we need to get that. No, you need to get your energy up. Without energy, lack of energy makes cowards of strong men. So energy is absolutely crucial for me and the way that I operate. I do what I call burst working. So I do two hours of intensity in the morning, followed by, for the sake of this kind of speech, Matt, four hours of knobbing about, followed by ending the day strong with two hours of intensity. That's 100%. So right now, I'm doing a podcast with you, I'm 100%. If I was at home, I wouldn't be 100% be sat there playing games or whatever I'm doing with the kids, right? So I call it burst working. You cannot give 100% 100% of the time. Employers would love you to think that you can. Your staff just work there eight hours a day and they flat out, bullshit. And the sooner you can accept that, the sooner you can get the best out of people. So how do you, how do you keep your energy high? By not frittering on bullshit. <laughs> you know, not arguing the toss over knobhead conversations on LinkedIn. Yeah, not, not, not wasting it on just shit that doesn't matter, arguing on Facebook. Let me ask you a question, it's a genuine question. Have you ever won an argument on Facebook? No. No one ever has. Yet, if I go on Facebook all day long, you'll find people arguing about anti-vaxxers, anti-this, Brexit, you know, Trump, da da da, nonsense. So people are frittering their life away. Life, by the way, just be clear, life. Yeah, life. That one day they're gonna have no more life as in they're gonna be in that box that I talked about before, right? And what we're sitting there arguing the toss over over America's top model or Love Island. So that is how I keep my energy up. I don't waste it and fritter it on bullshit. It doesn't matter. I don't know if you know I've got a stalker. Right, no. Oh, not fun. Not a fun stalker at all. You know, the, straight away you, you always get everyone giggling, sniggering. For three years, I've had a female stalker harassing me, and and you know they're literally they're on a run at the moment. Police are, are going to arrest them this week. They tried arresting them already. So I've had that for three years, thousands of posts about me. And anyone goes and Googles my name or hashtag, you'll find thousands of posts about me. I've killed someone's cat. I put a tracking device on the laptop. I put a death threats daily, did, 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 all this. All made up by someone who's obviously not quite well. <clears throat> now, when it first started out three years ago, you'd have a hundred people on there. Oh, chick. I've heard that about Brad Burton. Uh, yeah, it looks like that. Uh, right. Nowadays, three years on, no one's responding because people realise that this is. But the default position is man bad, woman good. Guilty until proven innocent. And there's going to be a massive, I've got GB News, uh, Mail Online, and another one, I can't remember, uh, Guardian, all wanting to run this story. This is going to be a national story, and you've got to kind of scoop on it before it goes. I'm not saying. Um, and this is. The price to pay for success. Going back to how I managed to keep my you know, energy up is by giving this no mind. 
always ask myself this question whenever I've got any situation I've got to deal with. Have I done everything possible to fix this situation? Yes or no? Yes. In which case, give it up. But what ends up happening? Oh, it's terrible. What's happened? I'm getting other people that keep posting stuff about me. Can you do anything about it? No. What's that worrying achieving? You're frittering your life away and your energy on what? You can't do anything. So why are you wasting your time? And there's a lot of acceptance that you've got to do. I spoke to a friend of mine, sorry, King Charles told me not to name drop, but I spoke to Gary Turner and Gary said to me, he said, Brad, he said, the only way that you could have avoided getting a stalker and these terrible things that have happened is by avoiding your success. (laughs) This is the price, the byproduct of success. You know, I'm no celebrity in my niche. I might be well known, but outside of this, nobody knows who I am, right? I've been spotted five times in my life, though, in all fairness. But nonetheless, <laughs> it's great people coming up to me, autographs. I remember, mate, listen, let me tell you the story. Sorry, I'm going to come back to the other one in a second, the more serious one. But I was, my boy, we went to Bristol Comic Con. I'm in the lift with my boy, let's say he was seven and the other one was 13 at the time. And uh, somebody said, Are you Brad Burton? And the lads were like blown away. We then went to London to fly out to Disney World. We just walked past Hamleys, the guy outside Hamleys. In, in, in Heathrow, look at where he says, Are you Brad Burton? Like within the space of two days, right? So, my, my boy's my mind's blown. We go earlier this year, goes to Borough Vets snowboarding with my lad, he's 14 now. And in the hotel that we're in, 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 the, in the breakfast room in the morning, Are you Brad Burton? Somebody says to me. Then I swear that same day, we're on a ski lift, me and my lad, and the woman says to me, Gosh, are you that motivational speaker? So, yeah, my boy's mind was blown. So I don't know, right? So, but what I'll say to you, and I'm going back to the point, is that this seemingly is, is, is the price that you've got to pay. You're always going to find someone that has a problem with you, right? You know, no matter how benign my intent is, and it is, genuinely, my whole, I'm religious, I don't know if I told you, I've bradism, <laughs> help many, hurt few, live life. That's how I live my life. And I think... You know, you could be with Gandhi and somebody who want to put a bullet in your head for your views and world peace. And this is what you need to understand, that sometimes it's not you, there's nothing that you've done whenever you get these things, you know, and, and, and you can't, you can't win everyone over. And people said, they had somebody once when I spoke to them, oh, Brad, your style's not for everyone. Here we go, go on now, bed. He said, I said to me, I said, um, I said oh, do me a favour, I said, tell me um, whose style in the history of humanity is for everyone? Yeah, but Jesus Christ. Okay, well, I can give you 8 billion people who disagree with you, but nonetheless, that's fine. So this is the point. You're not going to get liked by everyone. But as long as you like yourself, that's really what all that matters. And I guess when you're doing what you're doing on a high scale, you're seeing thousands and thousands of people Mate. on a daily basis. Mate. So, so let's extrapolate that. You go and live in, work in an office, 10 people, one person won't like you. They don't like your hair, don't like your eye colour, don't like your car, don't like you. 100 people, 10 people. 1,000 people, 100 people. 10,000 people, 1,000 people. And the problem is, is that, you know, over the years with my network with thousands of members, I had to remove people. People removing for, for, for improper behavior. People removing for ripping people off, not paying invoices to people. Former sex offenders that I found out about that. I'd gone, you know, you're running thousands of members, you're gonna find these things out. So I'd got rid of a load of people like, over time. And not, you know, like I would double, double check I would measure twice, is this what we're doing, the correct course of action for the protection of our members? So I removed a lot of these people. And what happens on social media? Those people manage to gravitate to this stalker and um, go to bradburton.biz forward slash stalker or Google Brad Burton stalker on LinkedIn, you'll read all about it. 
but they then gravitated on social media to these threads and then you create this echo chamber that makes me sound and it was dark because I'm going through the pandemic and I'm going through this completely stalker who I met for 30 seconds in a crowded room, 200 people, <laughs> done nothing, said nothing and now all of a sudden I'm doing all these things. So yeah, it's, that was tough, that was tough. And I talk about that four seconds, <laughs> you know, this whole thing, business gone kaput, pressure, people looking towards me for answers, stalker, pandemic, you know, you can see how it pushes people. Heaven. And, and I think as everybody has stuff going on. Of course they do. You don't know what everybody is dealing with. Mm, well, let me tell you, I, I, I break things down. I've got a system, I'll show you in a second, be honest. But I, I go and I've got 10 like categories that I kind of uh, judge people on, on like a MOT, pass, 50-50 or a fail. So I'd be like health, family, finances, focus, courage, da 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 I go back down to the worst of my life and I had no passes, one fifty-fifty and nine fails. Right now, my life, if I was to do the same barometer test now, I've got nine passes, one fifty-fifty, no fails. So you'd see me right now, you see me 12 years ago, I look exactly the same, but you've got no idea what's going on upstairs. No idea what I'm dealing with. I've got no idea what you're dealing with. But what we're doing now is we're doing a wonderful utopia, everything's amazing podcast. I have no idea what's going on right now in your world. You've got no idea what's going on in mine. And that's the bit, because we have a version of ourselves. People expect a version of Brad Burton when I turn up at a place. And I've got to be that person. I've got to lean into that person. Shoulders back, teeth whitened, sunbeds, and Mr. Confidence. You know, and actually when you realise that actually every single one of us is where I started, blagging it. And once you realise that, it's a whole lot easier to accept. And remember the differences, as I said to you before, Everyone's blagging it. The only difference is, I'm honest enough to share it. Okay, going, going to being honest enough to share it. Please. He says at one point you were close to a divorce. Yes. What? Where were where, where were you, business wise? Yep. Relationship wise. Yep. Family wise. Yep. Okay, so. What we end up doing is we end up believing that once you get to the top of the mountain, it's going to be amazing. I got to the top of the mountain and guess what? It was empty. Everything that I thought the promised land was, wasn't actually there. And something that I've realised about what I call the success mountain, I ask people, what is at the top of the mountain? And they tell me, so I do this, I have the summit there, uh, midpoint, base camp. Tell me the four things that are at the top of the mountain and they tell me. And I go, tell me what was at the midpoint. And they start running out of it and they realise that actually they're already there. So for me, my focus was on business. Business, business, business at any cost. And that cost was to my marriage. My wife didn't like me. I didn't like her. Every time I'd go out, I'd be fresh paint everywhere I'd go. Oh, it's Brad Burton, Brad Burton, Brad Burton. Everything was amazing. I'd go home and the wife had been with me for 10, 15 years. I wasn't that guy. So I was intoxicated by the how clever I am. When actually, I'm just the same guy, but somewhere along the way, my ego, I hate that word, but there's a better word than that. But that my, my person, persona had overtaken who I once was and had forgot who I once was and where I'd come from. I started believing my own hype. Not in a negative way, but I had to believe it because that was the person I'd become. So, you know, me and the wife, me and the wife, 
me and the wife, you know, we had a divorce letter booked on the Friday and on the Thursday we sat in our five bedroom detached house, which is inconceivable because I was in a council estate above a chippy when we first started going out. Like mind blowing. And we sat in our big farmhouse table and we cried. And my wife said to me, I understand how we got here. I understand how we got here. What she should have said is, there's your bags, fuck off. That's what she should have said. But she's smarter than me and my wife. Because actually, if that would have happened, the better version of me, this version, would have gone somewhere else. And that would have been really sad, given what we'd been through to get to that point. So everything that could go wrong with life at that point did. I go back onto that whole past 50s and fails. Nine fails, one fifty fifty. Now nine passes, one fifty fifty. So it it comes to almost trying to juggle the business, the personal life, the kids, and everything else. Let me tell you a story. So when I first started my business off, <clears throat> I was juggling finances, emotions, worry. The, 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 the you know um, uh, business building, fulfilling business, invoicing, PR, the, all that. <clears throat> I remember thinking to myself, gosh, I can't wait to get through this, and it'd be amazing because what I can do, I can have staff, and they could juggle for me, and I could be in the Maldives, and I could, you know, we my kids could be playing, and we could be holding hands with a wife, and we five star hotel. And let me tell you something. At my height of my business, guess what I was doing? Juggling. Now, 19 years on, guess what I'm doing? Juggling. We're not business owners, we're jugglers. And the sooner that you realise that, the sooner you realise that and your ability to get through this and to succeed is your ability to juggle. And some of those balls that you're juggling are going to be made of glass and some of them are going to be made of rubber. And some that you drop, you fuck up. And your life gets fucked up. Some that you drop, you can pick straight back up and go again. But your ability to be able to juggle everything that's inbound, inbound, inbound. At some point, you can have one thing, too many come into your juggling circle, that's then gonna mess everything up. So sometimes you've gotta be brave enough to say, no, I don't want that ball, thank you. Yeah, but, no. And that's what I've got now, 50 years old. You know, I'm old enough to be a dad, which scares me to death, right? You know, you know I can barely look after myself. <laughs> keep yourself alive you know but you look at that so we're jugglers we're not business owners we're not entrepreneurs you're a freaking juggler get used to it yeah again <laughs> yeah, there's a few times I've been taken from work so yes. if you could go back to the beginning yep. I guess the beginning being the beginning of full networking mm -hmm. would you do it again <sighs> yes but differently you know, when I realise not everyone's got the same values as you. I'm a man of my word, and we can talk about that. You know, I don't know when you contacted me. When was it? Do you reckon best guess? It was probably three or four months ago. Longer than that, Five or six months ago. Five or six months ago. So, do you want to share what happened? Well, yeah, so I, I, I got brave, actually. I watched someone on LinkedIn, and they said, you know, just, just reach out to whoever, whoever kind of inspires you, whoever motivates you, and things like that. That night, I think you put a post on LinkedIn or, or you did something. I then sent you a message mm -hmm. and just said, do you want to come on the podcast? Yep. What do you think? And I said, yeah, and that'd be amazing. Yeah. And you said, oh, you're so in Milton Keynes. I said, ah, not so amazing. I said, because, you know, I'm living over 
three, three hours away. So what I'll do is I will contact you the next time I'm in Milton Keynes and if we can do it, we can do it. And sure enough, I contacted you. And here we are, yeah. But that's the point and you didn't think I was gonna, you thought I was giving you the, the brush off. But what did I say before we even came on camera? I said, I, you know, I'm a man of my word. If I say I'm gonna go and do something, it's happening. Otherwise I won't say it. And few people are. I believe that only 8% of people do what they say they're gonna do. And that's the statistic that I give to Pippa who worked with me for seven years when she first started. I said that people don't do what they say they're gonna do. So the 8% of people, and she went, oh, shut up. You ask Pippa now, she'll tell you that actually she agrees that that figure is probably even less than that. So this is it in business. If you wanna succeed in life or business, just do what you're gonna say you're gonna do or don't say it. When I said I'm gonna create the largest joined up business network in the UK, people laughed at me. I did just that. When I said I'm gonna go and get my books in Waterstones, People said you can't get your books in Waterstones with title called Get Off Your Arse, it's offensive. Got it in Waterstones. Ah, but you'll never become a motivational speaker at the highest level. Why is that? Well, you look like a drug dealer, right? You know, shave dead tattoos and so forth. I'm not a drug dealer, by the way, anymore. But the point is, is that somewhere along the way, every step of the way, which is where we started today, people told me I got it wrong. And actually what you've got to have is unwavering, misguided self-belief. And you've got to start talking yourself into things, but it's about important. And I go back to the four networking conversation that you asked me about, would I start again? Here's what I'll do differently. Recognize that not everyone's got the same values as me. Recognize that you are gonna to have to make decisions that not everyone agrees with. That's leadership for you. Recognize that there's gonna be times when it's tough. Recognize that money and business, there's more to life than money and business. And the only time you realize that is when you see somebody lose a life. And I've run a network for 16 years with thousands of members across the UK, thousands. How many people do you think that, you know, I heard about, oh, we only saw him last week. Oh, he was gonna go away, oh yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, hundreds over the years because I was hyper-connected. So it's really got me more inclined to look towards death. That's the reality of it, because from the minute that you've started listening to this, you're about an hour, uh, an hour and an hour and 10 minutes closer to death. <laughs> And it's like, you know, nobody wants to think that. People will be reaching for the stop button now because nobody wants to recognise that. But let me under, just understand what I'm trying to say to you. You know, there's no course that I'm selling you. Well, maybe later. But there's no course that I'm selling you. There's no, you know, there's no mastermind. There's no retreat. I'm trying to get you to change your life and every single decision that you've ever made in your entire life and every single decision that, that you've ever made or I've ever made has brought us here together by sheer innocuousness that I'm on your podcast right now and you're listening to this, this message is for you. It's been sent from divine or whatever, I don't know. This is for you to wake up and do what the fucking you want to do with your life. If you want to go on holiday, do it. You want to start a business, do it. You want to leave your, your current marriage because it's not working, do it. But whatever you want to do, do it. Stop waiting for permission. And if you do need permission, I'll give it up. Go and do what you got to do. I, I don't know where to go from there. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm off. I'll see you later. Yeah, 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 exactly. Go see um, your kids, yeah? No, I'm, I'm going to come back to Kerry, actually. Yeah, please. You mentioned that. So you're, you're working with her now. Yeah. How... How tough is that to work? Let me, let, me, let me tell you what you're really saying here. You've got a situation with your wife, I assume, and it's very similar. Absolutely, so no, no. Uh, we couldn't work together. <laughs> I, I genuinely don't yeah. think I could. No. And I've asked a lot of questions to a lot of different people, right. so my parents did work together. Of course. Yeah. And my 
actually, so my grandparents did work together, uh-huh. worked perfectly fine. Love that. Didn't ever have a problem. They inseparable until unfortunately yeah, okay. my granddad right, died. Right. My parents worked together, didn't work. So that's 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 where I'm at. So I've 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 veered in and out. Worked together, started, stopped working, did it. It comes a problem, you know, from a from an almost boss wife relationship. In that, in all fairness, she, when, I, when I first met her, I got my first job. She was my girlfriend, and I got her a job as my PA for this big company that I work But anyway, so we've still done that. So, yeah, it's working at the moment. It might not work, at which point it'll come back. How do you separate work? We don't. Personally, you don't. <laughs> we don't. It'd be lovely to go, oh, yeah, what we do is we shut the laptop at the bollocks. So, no, no. And I think, like I say, sometimes you get a bit of lip back and you think, hang about. If you was the employee, you wouldn't do that. But she's not an employee, she's my wife. But this is the thing, I've got in a situation where, like I say, I go back down to it and I'm, I'm, I'm in a really good place from a business perspective and a financial perspective right now, which actually, you know, when I first started, it was me, then I had a team of 800, now it's just me again and Kerry. But, you know, I, I recognise that she's not on it in the same way that somebody who is full-time would be on it, but equally, I don't have to spend 25 grand a year, basically. <laughs> yeah. So we can go on better holders. And, and, and it works. Loosely, for the time being, but I'm not that stupid to think it's a permanent fixture. At some point, maybe carry a lot of piss off again and go and do real work. <laughs> so this isn't real work. I'm joking, but you know, yeah. thinking. Listen, I think. Look, every time that I speak at an event, I'm waiting for SO19, the armed police, to come and flashbang me and get me on the ground because it doesn't make any sense. None of this. You know, the career that I've got, speaking at the highest level. For a guy that's got no qualifications, a guy that's been no speaker training, da, 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 da. but maybe just maybe that's why it's all worked because I've not had speaker training, I've not got qualifications, and what I've done is I've learned from every single conversation. Bear in mind, there's no one in the UK that's had more 10 minute one to one appointments than me. My networking meetings, we used to have a pioneer three 10 minute appointments in each meeting, so you'd have a chat with three individuals for 10 minutes on a one to one basis. <laughs> I did that for 16 years. No one would have had more one-to-ones. So that ability to communicate got better. When I first started, I was like, yes, how are you doing, Arcade? You all right? Yeah, nice one. That's how I sounded. Right? There's videos of me sounding like that on, on social media. You go, oh, you know, from many years ago. All right, Arcade, you all right? Yeah, nice one. And, 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 and what's into a pattern is, over time, I've just got better at communicating. When I first started at my networking, people would say, sorry, what do you say? I don't know what I said. Sorry, what was that? Three times, then they just smile. I used to have that. I used to have that back in 2006. And that felt that to me as a human being at 31 that people couldn't understand what I was saying. So I had to learn on the fly. I had to work out how can, what do I have to do? Remember what I said, dying on stage? I'll never do that again. What did I like best? What would I do different next time? So I've had to learn every step of the way. If you had to give someone a bit of advice on networking, mm. considering you've done it probably yeah. more than almost anyone I could Of course, name. yeah, of course. What would you say? Never underestimate anyone. Never overestimate anyone based on the car they've got, based on the suit they've got, based on the handbag, based on the, the trainers. Treat everyone the same with respect because it's not just the person you're talking to, it's all the people they know. Yeah, I'm not really in the market for a candle. Thank you all the same. Their brother-in-law works for ICI and is the head of leadership. You don't know. And I've seen people do that. When people did, Some people didn't know who I was. So I'd turn up driving around the UK up to 40,000 miles a year, 13 meetings in a week for networking. People didn't know who it was. I don't look like your archetypal managing director. So people would either dismiss me on occasion or not want to have a one-to-one. That's cool. 
because what they've just done is they've deselected themselves and then they find, oh, you're the managing director. Can we have a one-to-one? Not really, no. So that in itself was a test. And this is what I'm trying to say. I don't look like an archetypal managing director, an archetypal director. I wouldn't get in the, whatever it is, the director's institute because I don't have a tie and a pinstripe suit and a monocle and three pieces. It's all cobblers. It's bullshit. The world has moved on. Yeah. The world has, right, t-shirts, exactly. The world has moved on. And the problem is, is those people that have not moved on are trying to keep hold of it. And it goes back onto what I said before, which is this whole thing where the reason that we, we struggle we change is that we're unwilling to let go of the past. And the only way that you can move forward is by letting go of the past. By letting go, if I was to go and give you a red hot coal right now and put it in your hand, how long would you hold on to it? You wouldn't, you'd let go of it. But in life, people hold on to red hot coals. They shouldn't have done what they did. They said what they did. They ripped us off. Duh, 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 duh. And every single time you're holding on to that red hot coal, you're doing it, hurting yourself. Painful. You need to let go. And that's what I've been really good at doing, letting go. Don't give a shit what people think of me. I'm not bothered. Like genuinely, I'm not bothered. Doesn't mean I'm going around being oldfish or creating problems for myself. I'm not going to be I'm not that stupid. But if somebody doesn't like me because of the trainers of whatever or whatever, that's on them. That's on them. You know, I move at the highest level. At the highest level. In the UK specifically, in the highest level. Like, you know, I've got the black book there of numbers that people wouldn't believe that I can ring up now. But I'll be, yeah, good mate. Boom. That that's it. Why? Because I treat everyone the same with respect. Calling the carpet cleaner the same way as I treat Alan Sugar makes no difference to me. Whether Alan Sugar would appreciate that, I'm not bothered. I treat everyone the same with respect. That's, I think, one of my big kind of things that I've always been majoring on. Maybe it's coming from a working class background, never having a pot to piss in. And I used to have people looking down on And I don't look down on anyone. I don't look up at anyone either. I treat everyone the same on the same level. And that's exactly how I treat everyone. I don't honestly. I don't. We just, you know, looking up or hello, no sugar. <laughs> Interested. I mean, even when you came in the office here, you said hi to everyone. Yeah. You know, it, there's there's quite a few people who do that now, but there's still people who don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but once again, we don't know. We might be the nervous or the shy or the introverts. You don't know. So once again, don't assume anything, but, but that's where I'm at. And like I say, no one's perfect apart from my wife. <laughs> if she's listening. She won't listen, trust me. No, she won't be listening. I guarantee. Is there any question you thought I would ask that I haven't asked? No, and I'm good with it. You know, like I say, people when they do podcasts, they oh, send me all the questions and you can, I'm not interested. I, I just, you know, this is the thing, what we need to do is I'm learning right now. I'm learning out every single day. I learn every single time that I have a question. I learn and I'm good, absolutely good. So just to close it, I've got the Diary of the CEO cards. Mm. Um, we're going to pick one at random yep. and it's got a question on it. Cool. Essentially. You want me to go? Yeah. Is there something right now that you're doing wrong but you haven't yet fixed it? If so, how will you get unstuck? Scott Allison. No, and this is the thing, is that I'm dealing with everything. So this is, I mean, you'd expect from some lot, I'm human, I'm not perfect, right? I'm not perfect. So on occasion, I might party a little bit harder than I probably should do. However, in the round, I've dealt with everything. I've dealt with, like, honestly, I go back down to it, I've dealt with everything, I've almost cornered. So I could talk about this, about lamp and laser. So if you have a lamp on the table with all, the, all your issues, and then once you've got rid of all the, the issues, all you're left with is, is one, and that's laser focused, and that's what I've done. So I've dealt with everything, and this is what you expect with a mindset coach. That's what I've done. So I've got nothing left on the table. 
you're, you're doing what you, you preach. I've got a big yeah, so Exactly that. What would you would you do it all again? I guess for me personally, absolutely. It's been a hell of a journey. Yeah, no question. It's changed my life. And you know what is the interesting thing? I've changed the lives of thousands of others. And I didn't even realise that. But you think about full networking, you know, for 16 years, giving people opportunity. And it's only when you lose something that you realise how valuable it was. So when we look at full networking, the only network in the land that you could go to Milton Keynes, go to Manchester, go to Cornwall, Scotland, there's a member and you could go anywhere and you could network four times, a, three times a day and five times a week. And Look at that and how progressive it was. How progressive it was. And the only thing that stopped it was the pandemic, which was out of my control. Go back to what I said, have I done everything that I can? Yes. In which case, forget it. Done. And it's gone. There's somebody, I told it out to someone, but you know, they've got, a, they've got a big hill to climb to rebuild the network that took me six years to get to. You know, post pandemic, people aren't networking like they once was. They're just not. And whether they're out, out of the, the, they're out of kilter or out of experience, so you know, something's changed. The dynamic in the UK has changed. And this new, new, whatever the new, new is, needs to be found. And the people need to find themselves. And actually, one of the things that I've kind of realised right now is you know I don't need a 10 bedroom mansion to be successful but you know Grant Cardone will tell me that's what I need and look at me here shrugged in a jet well you crack on Grant because you don't see your children every day you've sort of seen your schedule what you do 23 hours a day working well that's great I've got 23 hours playing on my playstation and going out to skimming pebbles with my kids who's the fucking idiot exactly I don't know yeah. exactly that because I tell you go back onto what I said which is that business if it had been a 10 million pound business it would be gone you know, I was talking to a guy the other day, he's got 100 properties. I'm thinking, have you got mental illness? I'm genuinely thinking, have you got mental illness? I, I, I'm, not, I'm not joking, I said that. Have you got a mental illness? What are you doing it for? I was out with a friend of mine, Danny M. I'm at Gaucho, it must have been four years ago, because I'm, I'm a vegetarian now. How do you know when you interview a vegetarian, don't worry, they'll tell you. I was at a Gaucho steakhouse, and he's got a two million quid business. And I went, well, well done, mate. On, uh, on what you've done, uh, council state kid again. He's oh yeah yeah. I'm going for a ten million pound business. I said really. He said yeah. Wow, amazing. I said tell me how old's your boy now? He said five. Okay, cool. And how, how long's it going to get you to get this ten million pound business? You know, about eight years. Oh, rather. I said then uh, what uh, what what you know what what are you doing that for? He went so I can get the nice things for my family. I went like what like what? Went, you know the nice things. I said, no, go and tell me. And I looked at him dead in the eye. I said, go and tell me. And he's like, I went, mate, you don't frigging autopilot it. Like a scare electrics car going around the track that somebody else has built for you. Is that really what you want, a 10 million pound business? What is there that you can't get with a 2 million pound one? Tell me. Tell me what it's like. I'm not talking about Tell me what it is. You're from council estates. Now that doesn't mean don't be driven, don't be ambitious. But if being driven and ambitious is causing you to be unhappy or to l l lose your childhood with your, your boy at the crucial, because let's be quite clear, when he's 13 or 14, he ain't going to want his dad. He ain't going to want to play football. Yeah. And I've met so many people that have got to the end of their days, so many business owners that have told me that they got it wrong. And I've had it, I've got it wrong. So my boy Ben, who's 19 now, first ever Burton to go to university. 
first ever Burton to go to university. That fascinates me now. In that you think about my life, that actually if I'd not made the decisions, Ben wouldn't be going to university. No way, right? But you look at that whole thing and go, what is this all about? We spent, you know, the society tells us what we need to have to be a success in life. How did anyone ever lose weight before Weight Watchers? How did anyone ever get the macros right and the protein before Hume created some bullshit products? How did anyone ever become happy before they made PlayStations and widescreen televisions? We've over-engineered a problem that didn't exist. Before all of this tech, people used to do things called talking, going out. The nightclubs when I was a kid, or 20 odd years old, flat out, you couldn't move for nightclubs. Right now, nightclubs are dead. I've got friends of mine who own nightclubs, why? Because entertainment is too good. It's on our, in our hands. We can watch Netflix, we can stream, we can do this, we can do that. Big televisions at home. Before you used to have to go to an arcade to play decent games, now you've got one right here. So the whole thing is gearing us up, whatever the thing is, and I'm getting conspiratorial, but I'm just saying, is that we are being domesticated. <laughs> We're being battery and domesticated, and we almost need, including me, to decouple from our devices and start getting back to our lives about what life was before this. Let me just, I know we're rounding off now, but let me just share this because it's quite important. We've got a, a, a physical world, right? So you've got to look after your physical well-being, your mental well-being, your financial well-being, your spiritual well-being, if that's what you're into. I've got spiritual in the last few years. I've got, it, was, it was really, that's another conversation, I'll take it offline. But I've got spiritual, not religious, spiritual. I found something there. But then we've got digital. So we're maintaining these balls within each of the physical world, the mental world, the financial world. We're juggling all these frigging balls. So not only are you juggling out for one set of juggling, you're now doing meta-juggling within each of those things. And it gets worse or better. Because right now, 20 years ago, there was no digital world to juggle. So lives were already busy enough 20 years ago. You've now thrown in a digital world right now. And actually, you can't, you can't just watch a YouTube at one speed. You've got to watch it at 1.5 to get more data. And our little puny brains ain't processing long enough. And this is why mental health is becoming unraveling. Because people are trying to keep up. Gary Vaynerchuk, hey, you need to be doing 100 pieces of content a day. Are you for fucking real, Gary? You might be able to do it because you're a machine. I can do it because I'm a machine. But your average Joe, no. And also, your average Joe isn't going to get any, 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 any tactile feedback off their content. They're just going to be walking and talking shit to themselves and getting no f likes or off it. So, so therefore, you're setting people up to fail. One size doesn't fit all. If I go and wear a, a, a designer suit, perfect fit for me. You go and wear it, it looks like shit and vice versa. One size doesn't fit all. Find what suits your life. Agreed. Um... I was going to come back on something there. Go on. But I've uh, forgotten it. Juggling. No, no, <laughs> I couldn't even tell you what it was. That's all. Um, you know what? We often in our way, in our lives, lose our way. Every single one of us loses our way, including me. I've lost my way in my life maybe four or five times. And it's actually a case of refinding yourself and refinding a way back. And, you know, don't ever, whenever you lose your way, and you will, and I want you to listen to these words, that you can find your way back, but what it requires you to do is to stop moving, stop trying to find a solution. You know, I drove all the way here today, three hours driving in my car, in complete silence. In complete silence, with my AirPods in, on noise cancelling. 
no radio, no drum and bass, no hip hop, no rap, like it used to be, silence, allowing me to process all the inbound that I've got and to think. We don't think anymore. We're bored, we don't think. You know, we do stuff. Every moment of our days is stacked up with watching television, posting, LinkedIn, reading, podcast, da da da, work. We don't think anymore. And I think that that is one of the biggest areas that anyone can go and change their life right now and find their way back by thinking. And, and that was it. So it was, did, you said about digital well-being, yes. noise, everything that's going on. I, I looked recently, I was spending five and a half hours a day on my screen, mate, my screen time. Mate, 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 mate. I'm fucking 14 hours a day and I can show you. And I've One, four. Cut that right down. I think I've, I've kept it under three hours going forward. Beautiful, well done you. And that's, that's one of the big things I'm trying to do. It's cut amazing. Um, yeah, I know, but this is what I'm saying. I'm an addict. You know, I used to be addicted to cocaine and I'm an addict. And actually people go start sneering about me. Well, listen, you're an addict, fucking digital addict. And that's it. We're in danger zone as a society. We're in danger zone. We are in danger zone. Everyone's looking down. No one's looking at their own life. Everyone's looking at other people's lives. And, and it's scary what COVID's done as well. Oh. Because I think kids are now becoming more and more anxious. They're struggling more and more. True they, story. They don't want to leave the house. They want a job where they can work from Absolutely. home. Absolutely. Yeah, and we're being domesticated by our devices and jobs. Human interaction is is yeah. struggling. That's right. Totally. And it's, and it's, you know, and I think that when I look at my network, think about my network. My network was groundbreaking in that the tagline was for networking, 50% social, 50% business, and it works. And people say, oh, it should be 80% business. Oh, I'll go and get some social police. But I realised the power of, of understanding and people. And actually, there's this, talking to people. This is a forgotten hat. So, so info networking not being what it once was, because, you know, I moved away from it. That's indicative of the, of, of the, of the UK. People aren't talking anymore. People aren't talking. And what's happening is, you know, people are confusing online with social. It's not social networking anymore. It's been weaponized. You know, the left don't like the right. Trump versus Bride Biden. Uh, Anti-vaxxers, vaxxers. These, these two hardcore 10% and there's this 80% transsexual, non-sexual, whatever. Right? This 80% of people that dare put their head above the parapet. So consequently, they're sat in this no man's land. Why bum? I've got certain views that if I was to put on social media, I'd be cancelled in about three seconds. That's crazy. So therefore, someone like me who's outspoken don't put their head above the parapet about sensible conversations. Sensible conversations. So nobody has a sensible conversation. So therefore, the sensible conversations aren't had and the problems get bigger and bigger and bigger. And actually, once again, we're addicted to comfort. We're addicted to non-aggression. And consequently, we end up creating the very thing that we're trying to avoid. Crazy. Exactly that. Mm. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for almost every bit of that motivational conversation. Good, I've enjoyed it, mate. Hopefully it can it can make an impact on quite a few people. Good, man. And I'm going to close it there. Top, man. Thank you very much, Ben. If you've enjoyed listening to our podcast, please like and follow and make sure to tag us on social media.